0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's good to see you. Uh, As we continue to worship today, I'd ask that you turn uh, to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, As we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, let me pray uh, as we get started. Father God in heaven, thank you that you are a good and holy God, a God God of forgiveness, a God of hope, a God of joy and restoration. And Lord, I ask that now uh, your Holy Spirit will work in and through your word uh, in our hearts, God, that you would open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive the good news of Jesus, Lord, that by your spirit you would transform us to be more like your son, Jesus. Um, God, I pray that we would hear good news today, Lord, that you would uh, wipe away guilt, shame, fear, and pride that we may have carried in here, and uh, Lord, that we would walk away uh, renewed with the joy that is ours in Christ through the gospel. Uh, we do thank you for this morning. Pray that we use it, that you use it for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel of Christ would advance from our lives out to the nations. Uh, we ask in His holy name, Amen. As we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus is teaching not only how things should be, but how things will be in his kingdom. We see that Jesus is teaching not only what life ought to look like, but he's showing how it's possible, uh, how he makes it possible. Um, so today we're looking at uh, a couple different passages. We're using um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, to kind of springboard into other uh, parts of Scripture to see kind of a, a full view of what Jesus is teaching here. Matthew 5, verse 31 and 32 says this. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Friends, I know this is a sensitive subject for us to talk about, to talk about um, divorce, and it is likely that every single one of us are in one way, shape or form, affected by divorce. Maybe you were here today and you have been married and now are no longer married. Maybe your parents were married, but now're no longer married. Maybe you have a sibling or a close friend. Uh, And I want to start by being very clear and very sensitive and saying that the gospel is good news. Uh, So today we're not going to talk about guilt or fear or shame. We don't want to heap guilt or add salt to the wounds of brokenness. Uh, But I want us to approach this the way I think Jesus approaches this and to see how the gospel is good news for Christ's kingdom, and how that in Christ we are renewed and made new, and how brokenness is an opportunity for us to lean in on Jesus and look to God. Jesus says, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus is teaching here, and there are religious people asking questions, as we've seen the past couple weeks, of, of when is it okay to do some action? And when is it not okay? There are religious folks wanting to teach and live out according to the law of the Old Testament. And Jesus reorients us to the issues of the heart, not the outside. We saw a couple weeks ago how Jesus says, look, if you are angry with a person in your heart, that's the same as actually murdering them. We saw last week that Jesus said, hey, if you are lusting after some person in your heart, that's the same as committing adultery. And then today when Jesus talks about divorce, he also takes it to the heart. I want us to look at Matthew 19. Because we have to understand the the whole picture of how Jesus teaches, not just about divorce, but about marriage. About the point of gospel marriage. If you turn to Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 through 9 says this, "...the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, "'Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause?' And he answered, "'Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning "'made them male and female?' And said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. You see, that verse ends the same way that uh, Matthew five ends in Jesus's teaching that whoever um, divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Matthew five, Jesus says, you, you would cause somebody to commit adultery. So I want us to, to pause for a minute and not camp out on the issue of divorce, but take it to the issue of the heart and the issue of marriage, which is what Jesus does here. Notice how the religious folks ask, when is it okay to do this? And Jesus says, it's not about that, it's about your heart. You see, Jesus shifts our focus from selfish ambitions to what, what is okay and changes it to God's creational focus of marriage the purpose of marriage Jesus shifts the focus from the actions and to the heart He focuses not on the exceptions of marriage of when is it okay to divorce but rather the intent of marriage that God has in place So Jesus changes the focus from when is it a righteous divorce And changes it to how can we imitate God's grace in marriage? And so that's what I want us to focus on moving forward. I want to to observe, I think, three things about marriage and see how the gospel restores that for us today. First, I want us to see this is that marriage is creational. It's creational. Jesus quotes Genesis. He takes it as old school as you can get in the Bible. First book of the Bible. You see, religious folks come up, uh, and we see this in in, in Matthew 5 when Jesus is teaching on uh, divorce. He quotes uh, the Old Testament of, of getting a certificate of divorce. And the religious people come up and ask, when is it okay to get a certificate of divorce? When is it okay to do that thing? In fact, they misunderstand the intent behind that. And Jesus takes it to the heart. And Jesus quotes Genesis and says, Therefore a man shall leave. Well, let me take it back to verse 4. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Friends, God created marriage. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is created, or marriage is, is written about in the first chapter of the Bible. The very beginning of the Bible talks about God's creation, and marriage is a created thing that God has done. It fits in the grand scheme of God's created order. Genesis opens with God' speaking nothing, or speaking everything out of nothing into existence. that, that God, by His very word, creates heaven and earth, the land, the sea, the water, other water that's not the sea, the air, animals, fish, birds. The stars in the sky. He creates the first man, the first woman, and joins them together. And we see that this all fits in the big cosmic picture of God's creation. That marriage is creational. It is God's doing. Do you understand that marriage was created before sin entered the world? It's important to know that. You see, see that God brought the first man and the first woman together, and that, that happened before Sin entered the world in Genesis 3. That happened before brokenness entered the relationship. That, that was a created thing God did. So Jesus reorients the question that the religious folks ask and say, hey, when is it okay to divorce? I mean, when, is it, when, when can we issue a certificate of divorce? And Jesus says, well, well, wait a second. Marriage is not your thing to play around with. It's, it's my thing. It's, it's God's thing. God created Marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Very beginning of the Bible, before the fall, before brokenness, before sin, God created, God ordained marriage. So I want us to pause for a second and just ask yourself, how do you view marriage? It's often the case for us to see marriage as simply a cultural thing. That, that all cultures have some sort of, of union, and we can approach it very culturally, which can have some good in it, can have some bad in it. When you say, hey, marriage is a cultural union, that's all it is. Every culture has marriage. But I submit to you, friends, marriage is creational. God created marriage, God ordained marriage. It's at the beginning of the Bible. How do you view marriage? Do you view marriage as, as merely a personal union? thing, like, oh, I just don't want to be lonely, so maybe I can just have a companion around? How do you view marriage? Maybe you are here and you've seen marriages fall apart due to brokenness and sin, and maybe you're, like, very scared of marriage. Maybe you are here today and you're very cynical toward marriage. Maybe you look at the way our culture views marriage and you think it's just, what's the big deal? What's the point of marriage? Because it looks so ridiculous. But friends, we must have the view that Jesus had, and that's to take it back to God's intent, that God has created and ordained marriage. Secondly, I want us to see this, is that marriage is relational. Because Jesus, quoting Genesis, says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. You see, Jesus says, hey, look, it's creational, it is God's doing, it is God's ordained creational act, but it's also a relation, a relational thing. It's about one man and one woman coming together to be one flesh. That's creational, that's God-ordained, that's relational. If you were married, you know that marriage requires a lot of relating. You, you can't be married without relating to your spouse. I know that may sound silly, but you just you can't. It's not marriage if you don't relate. Sometimes you relate by listening... Sometimes you relate by talking. Sometimes you relate by hanging out. Sometimes you relate by serving. Sometimes you relate uh, by moments of intense fellowship. Marriage is relational. One man, one woman, two people becoming one flesh. It comes with one identity that God has created and that God has redeemed in Christ. Marriage is an identity, but there's roles in it, new roles, new responsibilities that are different. Men, as husbands, have some responsibilities and roles that relate differently than women who are wives, have different roles and responsibilities that work out. It's like a left hand and a right hand holding a bat or an axe. You can't have a healthy chop or a healthy swing if you do it one-handed, you just can't really do just a right hand or just a left hand. You have to have a left hand and a right hand on the axe or on the bat. You see, marriage is relational. One man, one woman, two people joined together by God, gripping the axe. It mirrors the Trini- our Trinitarian God who exists in relationship. But here's what happens. Our relation- Marriage is creational, marriage is relational, uh, but our marriages are broken due to the fall due to sin that entered the world in Genesis 3. We see, if you read the Old Testament, that's exactly what happens. Sin enters the world. Due to man and woman's distrust of God and disobedience, there was a relational rift between them and God, but also some relational rift between them and each other. They felt naked and ashamed. We see that this brokenness carries out through all of the Old Testament and carries out today. You see that marriage is erect due to pride, due to fear, guilt, shame, due to uh, disobeying God, due to uh, relating harshly to one another or distantly to one another. This is why I think God, uh, this is why Jesus, I believe, teaches this right on the heels of talking about anger and lust. Keep in mind, we've seen the past couple of weeks as Jesus is, is teaching about, um, he is coming to fulfill the law, not to break it, and then... He goes on to teach about anger and lust and divorce, and I think all of these things tie together that Jesus is showing us that the gospel is one of restoration. But you see, brokenness enters the world, and maybe you've experienced that brokenness personally. Maybe you have been married and now are no longer married. Maybe you've seen that with your parents or friends or loved ones. And this is the pattern of sin and brokenness throughout the Old Testament. In fact, in God's word, he he relates... Or he equates divorce to idolatry and to disobedience to God's law. And this is the bad news for us. And so I want to ask you this. As we see, ask you the first question how do you view marriage? Do you view it as a creational, ordained thing of the Lord? Secondly, I want to ask you this, how are you relating, if you were married, how are you relating to your spouse? It may, may sound like a simple question, but I really don't think it is. How, are you relating to your spouse, or are you cold roommates that just coexist? Let's say, men, how are you relating to your wives? Are you shepherding her and pointing her to Christ and loving service? Are you living with her in an understanding way? Women, how are you relating to your husbands? Are you following his leadership the way Jesus has commanded? Are you uh, offering him respect and love? Single folks, I want to ask you this. Don't tune out, because this is for you as well. If you are longing to be married, are you praying that the Lord is cultivating your heart to be that kind of man and husband and leader that God would have you be if you, you want to marry a wife and have children? Women, are you praying that the Lord is cultivating that heart in you to be uh, a loving uh, spouse to your husband, your future husband? Are you praying as a single person, are you praying for that person who you hope to marry that maybe you don't even know yet? Pray that God would do something in the heart of that man or woman before he brings you two together. See, marriage is creational, marriage is relational. And thirdly, I want us to see this, because this is, I think, is is really huge, and we don't always see this. Marriage is restorational. Marriage is restorational. Look what uh, Jesus says here, because he says uh, in verse 7, the religious people say, hey, why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, did Moses allow you to divorce your wives? You see, the religious people say, hey, it's a command, we're going to follow God's law, we want to be righteous, even in our brokenness, we want to be righteous. If we're going to divorce our wives, we want to do it right. I mean, we want to honor Jesus with our divorce, is what these religious guys are saying. And Jesus says, hey, Moses didn't command you to get divorced, God allowed it. It's not God's ideal He's, he's allowing that to happen, and it's because of your hardness of heart. I love how Jesus does this as the religious guys approach it saying, we want to be righteous, and we want to divorce our wives because we find some fault in them, so therefore we want to divorce them. And Jesus says, God's law is allowing it because of your hardness of heart. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you know, you know what, that, uh, that spouse of yours, I could see how she's kind of rotten. I could see how maybe you want to you leave her. Jesus says, no, it's because of your hardness of heart. He's talking to religious elite here. He's talking to guys who know God's laws, who are wanting to follow God's laws, and they're saying, we want to do this right. And Jesus says, hey, it's your, your hardness of heart is the issue. Religious Pharisees, that's what Jesus is saying. Your hardness of heart is the issue. And this is where we find ourselves, whether you are married, single, divorced, remarried, maybe you're new to marriage, maybe you've been married a long time. We find ourselves in the same position where we look at the faults of our spouse, right? I don't know your heart. I don't know if at some point in your marriage you've thought about leaving your spouse and said, you know, it'd be easier. But look what Jesus says here. Look at your own heart. Is your heart hard toward your spouse? Is your heart hard toward the concept of marriage? If you're not married, you just may be hardened toward the whole concept of marriage, saying, look, I saw my parents. I don't want that. I see how loosely it's treated in culture. I don't want to be married. Do you have a hardened heart toward your spouse? Do you have a hardened heart toward marriage? See, this is the story of the Old Testament of brokenness because God, in his word, compared his people to uh, harlots to Israel was compared to being a, a, a whoring bride. Someone who was unfaithful, but God in that showed his faithfulness. See, marriage is actually a portrait of the gospel, and this is why Jesus brings it back. He says, It's because of your hardness of heart did Moses allow you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. The beauty of the gospel and the joy we have in the kingdom of Christ is that he brings restoration. See, God created things good, brought man and woman together and says it's very good. Sin and brokenness follows. There's disaster for generations. And Jesus, in teaching, in the beginning it was better than this. He's proclaiming that, Jesus is proclaiming that his teaching, that his life, that his death, that his resurrection and ascension to heaven is restoring things back to the way they should be jesus doesn't say if you want things to be good like they used to be do the law better that's what the religious guys were asking they're like hey we want to get divorced we want to do it right so that we can make things better and jesus says you can't make it better with your legalistic religious shenanigans you need to trust that in me I am making all things new. You need to trust that in me, I can take hardened hearts and make them soft and beat with life again. You can need to trust in me that your brokenness can be restored. You need to trust in me that I am taking things back to God's created order. That things in the beginning were good, you broke them, but I'm coming to make things right. That's what the gospel's about. And that's what Jesus teaches and does through his life, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, See, marriage is restorational. I want us to flip over to one more section of scripture on marriage. Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 33. You have to look at this passage through the lens of the gospel. So, so we start by seeing what brokenness is and divorce and how even religious things cannot fix that. There's no righteous way to break your relationship with somebody. There's no right, righteous way to do that. But we see that in Christ, through the lens of the gospel, things are restored. And Jesus is teaching what that looks like in his kingdom. And also, Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 5. This may be a famous uh, passage for you, but let me read it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Your own husbands, wives. Not somebody else's husband. Your own husbands. One man, one woman. It's relational, it's creational wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and as himself its savior you see marriage reflects the gospel marriage reflects the work of Christ to the church men you need to lead in such a way that you were reflecting Christ to your wife to your children and to those around you How different is that than what the religious folks were asking Jesus about? It's totally different, is it not? You see, the religious folks were saying, we find fault in our spouses, we don't want them anymore. How can we do this right? And Jesus says, no, it's about your hardness of heart. And then Paul goes on to unpack it and say, look, husbands, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did did Christ love the church? He lived a perfect life, died a death, washed the feet of those who would later deny him so that he might sanctify her, that means grow her in holiness. Friends, are you doing that with your spouse? Are you growing in holiness together? Are you making Christ and his word the priority of your marriage? Are you loving and serving in such a way so that your bride can grow in Christ's likeness? By washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing so that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. See? It always comes back to God's created order. It always comes back to God's relational intent for marriage. The gospel restores the brokenness in marriage. I love how Paul says here, no one ever hates his flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Men, are you nourishing and cherishing your wives? Wives, do you feel nourished and cherished by your husband? I think there's some honest conversations that need to be had today. And I would pray that we would approach it as in grace of the gospel to say, you know, sit down with your husbands today, wives, and just say, look, can I just be honest with you? I don't feel cherished. I don't feel nourished right now. And men, listen. Be gracious. Be calm. Deal with your own heart. Don't respond with a hard, broken heart. No snaps in a Z formation. Anybody? Just listen with a heart of grace. These verses end by saying the mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Friends, do you know that that men, the way you love your wife, and women, the way you respect your husband, reflects Christ and the church to a lost and broken world? We have cultures and politicians that are seeking to define marriage for you. And right here we see that, no, that if a man and a woman in Christ if a man loves and cherishes and nourishes and, and serves his wife the way Jesus served the church, and women, if you respect and follow your husband's lead as he submits to Christ, that, that's the definition of marriage that we are to display to a lost and broken world. And I would even go as far to say there's no sense in fighting any kind of political battle if we're not doing that. I'm just going to say that. I don't want to get political, but I'm saying before we go boycott any kind of situation out there, unless we're doing this, we we don't have a leg to stand on, right? This is is how we are to live in light of Christ. Now, let me just say this. Before I give you a to-do list of how you are to do this, I want to take it back to the issue of the heart. Assess your heart. Is your heart toward God hardened? Is your heart toward your spouse hardened? Is your heart toward the whole idea of marriage hardened? And I think right there we need to come to Christ and say, Jesus, first, restore my broken heart. Heal my broken heart. Heal my heart and forgiveness. If you have been uh, wrongly and unfairly uh, treated in a past relationship, Pray that God would bring healing and restoration there. Pray that God would bring you you comfort and know that in Christ there there is hope and joy and restoration. I mean, I'll just quick moment of transparency. My my parents are divorced, and um, both of them have gotten remarried, and I've seen God do just amazing things in their lives through their second marriage. So so if that is where you are, God does that. It's wonderful. It's an act of grace from our Lord. So here's a, a couple points of act, uh, application. Uh, because I wanted us to, to see God's intent for marriage, that marriage is creational, marriage is relational, and marriage is restorational, not only for you personally, but for your family and for the community of faith, and what Ephesians 5 says, even for the church and the culture around us. Even, even secular studies show that... that Solid marriages actually benefits society, so that's kind of a big deal. So I have a couple homework questions for you. If you were uh, single or married, uh, divorced or remarried, I want to ask you this first for, for the married people: how how is Christ restoring your marriage? Men, how are you shepherding your wives? Women, how are you uh, following your husbands and supporting him? A couple things that have been helpful to uh, us in our marriage is, is to uh, have a consistent date night. And sometimes that means going to some fancy dancy restaurant and eating some awesome food. Other times that means just uh, taking a walk. <laughs> um, men, I, I can speak for the most part, it'd be good for most of us to learn how to listen better listen to your wives cultivate honest communication there single folks if you're not yet married uh, I would uh, ask you to pray that God if you if you have the desire to be married pray that God would use uh, this time of singleness to grow you as the spouse that God would have you to be and spend time praying for your future spouse whether or not you know that person or not pray for comfort uh, for those of you, uh, maybe who have had hard relationships, whether broken off engagements or divorces, or uh, just relationships that you thought were going to go well and have not, uh, pray that God would grant you comfort and forgiveness. Uh, because I want you to know that gospel—the gospel's good news. There's no guilt in it. There's no shame. There's no fear. The gospel's good news for Christ's kingdom. So your homework is to do that—to repent of hardened hearts and to believe the gospel, to repent of idolatrous and selfish ideas of marriage, to repent of neglecting your spouse to neglecting Christ in your marriage, to repent of not functioning relationally well with your spouse and embrace the forgiveness that is ours in the gospel. Believe in the faithful covenant-keeping God who has created marriage, ordained marriage, for your good and for our joy and that the gospel would be reflected in it. Um, we 're going to have a little bit of time to respond to that, and I would say that um, uh, I would say that if you 're married it 'd be good to maybe pray with your spouse and talk about about your marriage and there 's lots of resources out there if you want uh, any help in that, please contact uh, somebody here at the church, uh, me or any of the leaders here, and we can be sure to get you resourced if you 're married or single or divorced there are are things out there for you. There are books, there are groups, there is counseling available, premarital, marital, post-marital, uh, out there that we want to offer for you guys to be sure that you are being resourced to grow in faith and, um, and healing in the gospel. Uh, but as this time of response is here, um, there will be um, a few ways that you can respond. The first, the worship team will come up and lead us in music. If you want to reflect on the scripture that you've heard today, pray or, or sing along, as an act of worship. Also before you, you will see uh, bread, wine, and juice. It represents uh, the body of Christ Um, And the blood of Christ. We'd invite you, if you're a believer, to come and tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the wine or the juice. Uh, And this is a remembrance of who Christ is and what he's done for us. It's also a way for us to proclaim the gospel over one another as we worship in this way together. Um, In the back, there will be um, some people available to pray if you need help uh, with anything at all, or if you want to talk to somebody about uh, becoming a Christian or or growing in the faith, or if you need um, some sort of help or or in any way, just see one of the folks in the back. They'll have an orange lanyard. Uh, They'll be available to pray uh, with you. Uh, Let me pray now. Father God, thank you for this morning, uh, time to gather together. Lord, I pray that you would um, grow us in hope and joy. God, I pray that you would give us great wisdom to know how to rightly apply uh, your words of truth in our lives. God, that we would... uh, first look at our own hearts um, and then seek to live out lives of obedience uh, before we address others. God, I pray that you would, uh, in this room, um, restore broken marriages, that you would foster healthy marriages, that you would lead those who are not yet married but want to be. God, that you would make it clear uh, to them the path you have for them. Uh, God, I thank you for the great gift of marriage that you have created Uh, for our relational good and and for restorational purposes within the church and uh, the culture at large. So God, I pray that you would use uh, marriage for your glory and our joy and that the gospel would advance. Now, Lord, I pray that you would stir up our hearts and minds to repentance and to belief in the gospel. Uh, We thank you for the good news of Christ. In his holy name we pray. Amen.